You're listening to a podcast from 702. It's time for the Literature Corner. Indeed it is. And today, Literature Corner is you and me. There are two things that I'd like us to do today or to open up conversation about. And um, I can't wait for your calls on these ones. The first is, you know, yesterday I was just reflecting on why I read. And the reasons have changed over the years. And I was thinking about a very good friend of mine who passed away many years ago. Well, several years ago now, not many, many years ago. Died all too young in his early 30s, succumbing to cancer. And he was just the most stunningly beautiful reader and a wonderful human being, Constantine. And he is an example and I've got other friends who are examples of this. Richard Pithouse is another one. Bongani Madondo, who read not just for functional purposes, but who read as a, as a life form to appreciate the aesthetic beauty of words and the magic of stories. And uh, not just stories, but also what people are able to do when they sculpt sentences in certain kinds of ways onto the pages of books and they get it really, really right. So there are levels to reading. I mean, one can even be a decent or even a good author without being a good reader. Uh, Reading is a really complicated skill and not everyone reads in the same kind of way. And when I was a child, I read mostly for functional purposes. And what I mean by that is that the primary benefit that reading served me as a child is that it allowed me to escape hardship Years later, right now, I'm benefiting from the obvious benefits that come with reading, higher levels of literacy and knowledge and confidence and can articulate yourself, etc., etc., etc. But but it wasn't reading as an end in itself. It wasn't for the sake of pleasure. It certainly wasn't reading as an artistic activity. Whereas now, I have to say, I really enjoy the fact that as an adult, I have the space, I have the luxury And yes, the privilege to read, not just for functional purposes, to try and extract data or information out of an article or even out of a book, including the books where we bring you the authors onto this segment of the show. I can actually read and just really get into the reading as a kind of aesthetic experience. The way you do when you go to a pop concert, a classical piano recital that you might go to at the Linden Auditorium, for example. You know that that kind of interaction that you have? a Beyonce concert that you go to and you have that connection. I want to make you jealous if you've never had that experience with reading. That's what I get out of reading. So I wanted to know from you, what is your relationship with reading as an activity? Do you mostly read for functional purposes, including those of you who are also ferocious readers who read a lot of books very quickly? Do you consume them because you want to extract the data or do you get something else out of it? And it doesn't matter if you don't have the words to describe it, if you can't put your fingers on it. As imperfect as it is, give me a call and share with me your love of reading. I just want to know why you read and what you get and what reading does to you. For me, there's a similar kind of excitement as I get as when I listen to my favorite musicians, for example, where there's that connection between you and reading. I'm not that much into painting and that kind of thing, but people who are into other art forms, if you go to a gallery, there's a certain kind of relationship between yourself and the painting, yourself and the portrait, that is a really deep, beautiful, artistic experience. For me, reading does that. And I wonder whether your experience of reading is similarly 
What do you get out of reading? How do you feel when you are reading? And has it changed over the years, your relationship with books and with words as well? And maybe you haven't really reflected on it that much. Uh, so do so now. And once you have done so, uh, you can certainly give me a call. There's a wonderful article I'm going to put on Twitter and Facebook that my colleague, Joanne Joseph, whom I love to bits, not least because, like me, she also enjoys reading, not just for functional purposes, but as an aesthetic activity. Uh, and that is an article that talks about the unexpected joys of reading at night as opposed to in the morning. And I think that's also crucial. You need the right conditions to be able to enjoy reading artistically. And when you are quickly trying to find information as a journalist because you want to hold someone responsible, you can't enjoy it. You need to, you need to have uncluttered space. Maybe reading in silence helps you to do that. Maybe reading at night helps you to do that. So I want you to reflect a little bit on the joy of reading whether you read for instrumental and functional purposes, or whether, like me, you can honestly say that for you, reading is an artistic endeavor quite apart from its benefits. 011-883-0702. The Literature Corner. And the second thing I want to invite you to do, besides reflecting on why and how you read, is simply to read for me. You don't need to have reflections on reading. I, I hope that at least one or two of you will. But I also want you to just feel free to read. So we're combining two segments of the Literature Corner today. A discussion about reading as an activity, as a literary activity, literacy activity. And then just give me a call and read me a poem, read me lyrics, read me whatever book you're currently reading. I'm reading two books at the same time at the moment. One is entitled Verwurt, My Journey Through Family Betrayals by Wilhelm Verwurt. And I'll just randomly read from the first page for you. The other book I'm reading, incidentally, some of you know from social media, is called Beyond the Down Low, Keith Boykin. I may not have a chance to read from that one today for you, but I'm going to come back to some of the insights from that book tomorrow in our Talking Sex um, seg segment. So this is uh, the first page of My Journey Through Family Betrayals by Wilhelm Verwurt. Dear Opa Hendrik, nearly 50 years ago, I was drinking milk in your lap. It's been almost 50 years since your bloody death. Still, it feels strangely right to write this letter to you now. Where do I begin? Perhaps with why I am sitting here today, in the spacious living dining room of your holiday home, Blas Abiki. I recently came back to South Africa after 12 years of overseas peace work. During my time in Ireland and Northern Ireland, I helped to facilitate dialogue between former enemies we encouraged former combatants to listen deeply to one another's life stories, despite the bloody past between them and in the midst of serious ongoing political divisions and, by doing that, to accept one another as fellow human beings. Increasingly, I wondered whether I would be able to do the same with you. Could I humanize you? Could I try to understand you better without rubbing salt in the wounds of those who suffered and continue to suffer under Dr. Fravurt's policies? Would it be possible to include you in the humanization task, considering the raw connection between my family name and most South Africans' historical dehumanization? Really, really interesting. And some of you are grappling with a different question. Please don't call me on this one. A Fravurt's grandson that could be in the next parliament 
This is another forward, Wilhelm Verwoord, who's written this book. I'll tell you more about it on a future edition of the show. We'll take a little bit of a break here, and then it's over to you. And uh, we can go to half past 11. We can slightly extend it, depending on your interest. But we're doing two things if you just joined us on the Literature Corner. I want your reflections on reading as an activity. Why do you read? What does reading do to you? And then the other thing is, just read for me and read for the rest of 702 Land. Literature Corner. 18 minutes after 11 o'clock and we're doing two things on the Literature Corner today. And I suspect we might go over our usual time allocation, but that's okay because it's a joy to do so. I want your reflections on why you read. And the other thing is just pick up a book and read for us. So we're combining the reading corner that we do from time to time, but with also your reflections about what reading does to you and why do you read. I'm genuinely, genuinely curious. Solomon, good morning. Thank you, Yusuf. Thank you for taking my call. Actually, a uh, first-time caller uh, on your show at this particular station. Mm. Uh, your intro was fantastic because um, if you have this relationship with literature, um, like writing, like you said, the way text is sculpted or words are sculpted on the edge of a book, mm. it's incredible. And I read for quite a bit, and I also like Joanne, read in the night because it's quite quiet. And it's peaceful, and you can actually sit into the words and actually dig and, and, and dig into the words and, 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 and grasp the contextual meaning that the author would, would want to create. So I think reading should be, if I had it my way, I would say reading should be something that should be substituted for drinking. <laughs> because I don't think that my friends that like a bit of whiskey would agree. But I think if you could substitute something, um, reading, but more importantly, you see this. It really expands your mind in terms of how you can engage with society and how you can engage with commentary, and how you then are able to allow your mind to participate in a, in an environment where words are exchanged, and even uh, more so in terms of how you also relate to people that write well. Um, Absolutely. The book that I'm currently Absolutely. reading now, mm. which I read almost like a Bible. Is, is a book called uh, The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli, which I kind of find quite fascinating when you look at political commentary, especially from you, listening to you most of the time, in the way that 500 years after the book was written, it is still very relevant in the way politicians operate in the, in the political environment. Mm. And this is, and I wasn't able to grasp uh, uh, the, the, the death of this book uh, uh, five years ago when I first came across it. Okay. But now it makes a bit more sense. And mm. I understand that uh, the way that it makes sense to me now is mostly based on the fact that mm. I have already accumulated quite a bit of literature. That's right. Uh, from a very that's young right, age. Yeah. But you know, Solomon, that's one of the most beautiful things about a text. The text can remain the same. You change. And often we think that the text is an objective object that exists with a meaning and one meaning only. But your relationship with the book as a reader is one that depends not just on what is inside the book, but what happened in your life, what else you've been reading, what have you been experiencing, what other things have you read. And then when you come back to a text, which is why I reread some of my favorite books, it's amazing how you see different things in it. This The book that I can't talk about today, because every other <laughs> reader wants to also talk, is a book I'm going to talk about tomorrow, Beyond the Down Low. I read that book more than 10 years ago, and now it's taking on new meanings to me. Some of the things that are the same, 
also suddenly strike me as even more important. And I now think to myself, my God, Keith Boykin was ahead of his time. Some of these debates prefigured what would happen in society years later. So that's also the interesting intersubjective experience between yourself as a reader and, and the text. Chris, good morning. Thank you so much for calling in. Good morning. Good morning, Eusebius. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I read for four, four reasons. The first one is to transport myself to another environment. Yes. And to learn about other environments that I probably will never visit. Uh, also, I read secondly for other people's experiences. And so I intersperse reading for, um, for fun and reading for information. Uh, uh, for instance, I've just finished a book called The Pianist of Yarmouk. Mm, okay. I'm not sure if I'm, but I couldn't put that book down and I'll probably have to read it two or three times because it was so gripping on other people's life experiences and it kind of makes you feel better about your own because if you're down in the dumps <laughs> and you read about other people's experiences, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do get uh, what you're saying. The yeah. made one mistake though. I, whether I read for fact or read for pleasure, it's always better with a glass of good red wine because it's an occasion. <laughs> That's and absolutely then, stunning. In closing, you made a point about uh, that reading is dynamic because of one's own life. That's right. And I have a favorite uh, author. I wish he, was, he would publish a book every month, and that's Malcolm Gladwell. And I've read those books. I need to buy new ones. They're so mm. overread because, <laughs> because you cannot... You cannot comprehend everything that he says and the implications of it at a time that you're reading it. But later on when you read it, as you well say, yeah. um, it's a life experience. That's and it's right. just interesting. Yeah. Um, for instance, one of my other favorite authors has passed away. His son has taken over now. I forget his surname, but it's Felix. Felix he was a horse, uh, a, 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 a hurdles, what do you call it, a hurdles jockey. Okay. Uh, can't get to his second name now, but mm -hmm. those books give you an insight into the horse racing fraternity that I would never have had. Mm. And it's absolutely fascinating. And then the last, very last thing, and this is my real last one, <laughs> is that the plots and how these guys, uh, I mean, how much work they must do to, to collect all the information to make it as, 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 as genuine as possible. Um, to me, it's, it's, it's like a good painting. It's like tasting a good wine or listening to a good uh, composition. I Absolutely. mean, they're brilliant, these, these authors, because they, they weave the plot in between all of this technical stuff. That's so right. And so That's the so research right. that they do, I appreciate. You know, Chris, I can and listen to you to you the whole day, and I tell you why. You, you are clearly a very close reader. And the lines are going crazy, which gives me enormous joy because there's a stereotype that we yeah. don't read enough in South Africans. Clearly, there are many readers who simply are quiet about their reading. Can I ask you just one last question? What yeah. is the best thing for you to do when you want to read as closely as the examples that you've given? Is it in silence? Do you go into your room? Are there people around you? Where do you read? I go upstairs to my wife's reading corner when she's doing supper. <laughs> and I steal half an hour. And then when I want to ponder what the guys say, I look out the balcony and I look at the at the eastern skyline and and I I project what I read. Yes. I don't know how to explain it to you. you yeah. You see yourself in that situation. Yeah. And then uh, obviously I get interrupted by a scream from the bottom. That's beautiful. Happening. 
That is absolutely yeah. stunning. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for sharing that. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, let's see whether we got Joe in the line. Joe and Joseph is my colleague who loves books as much as I do. The afternoon drive host here on 702. How's it, Joe? I had to call you. I, I know that you, you are busy and you've got a life outside of radio. We're talking about why we read and how we read. I was making the point earlier that when I was a kid, I read mostly for functional purposes to escape hardship. Now I can mm-hmm. honestly say, as self-indulgent as it is, that there's a kind of art to reading, a kind of aesthetic pleasure. And I'm very happy that as an adult, I have the privilege to read, not only to extract data or information for instrumental reasons, but reading is a kind of life form. Um, you know, it's right up there, the same experiences that uh, the young woke ones get when they go to a Beyonce concert. You are one of my colleagues who read ferociously as well. Why do you read and, and what does reading do to you? Right, so um, much like you, I suppose, uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in Chatsworth uh, in Durban, which is actually a pretty dreary suburb in many ways. I mean, Mm. people imagine it to be quite colourful, and it is in some ways, but in other ways, from a a geographical and aesthetic point of view, Mm. it's it's not a beautiful place to live in. And there aren't many facilities available to children. And so the library at my school and in the area and any books that my parents could get me became gateways to other worlds for me. Mm. Um, and, and I really was able to escape the, the dreariness of my surroundings yeah. by experiencing uh, all, these, all these different places in the world. And as I've grown up, I found that reading has, has served a really important purpose in terms of building empathy. Because we're born into one life with one subjectivity, as far as we know, uh, you know, unless your your beliefs are different. But but either way, in this life, we we have one opportunity to see the world largely from the perspective into which we're born, the perspective of the person into which we're born. And reading has allowed me to live other people's lives, however temporarily, um, to be able to get an insight into the way they think, into how they see the world. Uh, it's made me less judgmental of other people <laughs> for their choices. Yeah. Um, and and it's, a, it's, a, it's, rather, it's a life-changing thing. It's also helped me to understand history in different ways. Yeah. There's a bit of academic reading I was doing this morning yeah. about the uses of history uh, versus narrative. And, and Lily Mink speaks about, um, the, uh, about history being a set of facts, essentially. That's right. Uh, yeah. that, that can be unconnected unless we have a narrative that actually connects all of all of those events and also explains the complexities of them and helps us to ask not just what or when, yes. but how and why. That's right. Just a last quick one, 30 seconds. I love the article. I'm going to share it with some of um, the people on my Twitter timeline as well. I still want to cross-post it on Facebook. Some of the benefits and the joy of reading before before going to bed, reading at night. When is your favorite time to read? I mean, you, you're a mom. Uh, you've got a, a hubby in your life as well. One of the things I enjoy about uh, afternoons in my flat is that it's very quiet. And um, mm-hmm. even though I read in a noisy working class area and I could do that in a small council house with like up to 15 people living in it, I have to say one of the middle class luxuries I enjoy now is actually reading quietly. Where do you read when you read and you enjoy it the most? 
Um, I, I probably enjoy it the most in bed. <laughs> you know, it's comfortable, it's warm. I have my my uh, my store puppet next to me when I'm eating. And uh, yes, at night is probably the best time during mm. the week. But I sometimes creep in there during the weekend to get through books as well. <laughs> and <laughs> and funny enough, well, I mean, I'm, I'm slightly um, averse to exercise. So as I got on the treadmill this morning, I made sure I had a book on there and I was able to read about 50 pages for an hour. Uh, stunning. Thanks, Joanne. Listen to you later. Thanks so much for coming on. That's Joanne Joseph, my colleague, Afternoon Drive host. I'm going to take more of your calls. We'll run this conversation at least for another 10 minutes. So don't uh, drop the phone if you're trying to get through. We're asking why you read, what kinds of pleasure you get out of it, or do you read mostly for functional purposes? And sometimes your reasons for reading and how you read and where you enjoy reading the most, that will change over time, right? You can also share that with me, 011-883-0702. Corner. 28 minutes before noon. Catherine, good morning. Uh, good morning. It's Catherine from Camfontaine. I'm at work. I like reading, although now I'm semi-blind, you know, I can no longer read as I used to read. As the books that I liked reading mostly were detective books. Mm. Because, you know, I, I grew up in a Catholic environment, so they used to, they were instilled that crime does not pay crime. And whenever I read, they made me fear crime so much that I have even instilled it in my <laughs> I've even instilled it in my children. And also I like spiritual you know, reading to me it's it's a comfort. Uh-huh. Whenever I'm down, if I just take a book and read, then I, I feel uplifted. And also it has it has made me broaden my mind. I can now understand people's behaviour. I'm no longer as judgmental as I used to be. Exactly what Joanne Joseph just said. Yeah, it forces, it teaches you empathy, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's so true. Catherine, the the detective books that made you scared of crime. Do you do you do you still read a lot of detective ones or even audio books? Who was your favorite authors? Or uh, 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 Patterson. James Patterson. Oh, right. I used to love those uh, books as well as a child. I used to love the detective and the mystery stories. My favorite ones were by an American novelist who's also a psychologist by the name of Jonathan Kellerman. Okay, uh, I that. Yeah, he had this mystery novels with a central character called Alex Delaware. I used to love them in school. And you could laugh at times my kids will find me maybe crying if it's Mom, why, why are you crying? <laughs> I'm touched by this story. I said, ah, Ma. I said, no, it's touching. And that was that's that, so that beautiful. Relating it that's to so them. Beautiful. And they would be so interested. At times they even mm. get the book and read it themselves. <laughs> so it calms you down. It's made you less judgmental. It lifts your spirit. What's happened to your sight, Catherine? Are you still able to read? Uh, I, 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 I'm now reading through a, a magnifying glass, but okay. now it's not, yeah, it's a bit it's, hectic for me. I, I can only imagine. It's one of my biggest fears. You know, sometimes I'm one of those people who always think I've got new illnesses. And sometimes if I have like a little pain somewhere in my eye, I think, oh my God, what if I go blind and I can't read? You yes, know what I mean? So I, it, it, it's, yo, that must be, that must be so scary. But I'm so glad you're still reading. Yeah, it's a hereditary environment because they call it Stagat's disease. The retina degenerates. Okay. 
So I know I took it from my mom. Mm. I, I read and I remember my mom, it means I took it from my mom because my mom liked reading. But when she started not being able to read, she would buy a book and let you read it for oh, her. Oh, that's a beautiful gift. And that's you, wonderful. And you would never cheat her. Yes. She would know that you stopped here. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that what a fantastic all. Thank you for sharing that with us, Catherine. Aisha, good morning. Morning. How are you, Yusuf? I I am in heaven. I love oh, the one great. thing that makes us all feel good. At least is the yes. things we get out of books, right? Yes, and and you know what, your show as well. In the mornings, I look forward to nine o'clock to listen to you. Thank you and, so much. Uh, yes, and when you're not. On the radio, I'm very irritated for the day. <laughs> I have to tell you that. <laughs> uh, do you love reading? What do you get out daughter. of reading? Yeah, or your daughter even? I, oh, wow. yes, my daughter. Um, mm. I bought her a cell phone in December, and she's twelve years old and in grade seven. Yes. And I found that she was preoccupied with this phone all of the time. So I had to figure out something to get her to, you know, get off YouTube and all of this. And I found this company on the internet. They are here in Johannesburg. And what they do is they categorize the kids according to gender and age. And they send them a, a parcel. So it's couriered to them personally. They receive it every month. And in there is an activity pack and a novel. <laughs> and um, you never know which novel is coming. So it's a surprise for her every year. She looks forward to it because it gets delivered at home to her. And she tells everybody about it. And she's reading so much more now. And I'm getting the added benefit that she's not on the phone all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that is lovely. That is absolutely stunning. Yes. Mm. Yes, it's a lovely. It's in, in Johannesburg. I think it's based in Germston. Okay. But, um, yeah. So they send it out to the kids and mm. she's enjoying it immensely. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. 24 minutes before noon. Nao, good morning. Hello, you serious? Hello. Um, I just wanted to say, um, with regards to reading, I love reading because unlike my bank balance, it allows me to travel. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, um, it also feeds my curious nature. I'm very curious. I always want to know things. Um, and it just helps keep me calm. I'm quite talkative as well, so it also kind of helps me keep quiet. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's practically why I like reading. That's um, such I a beautiful point to make, right? Like because it, it, you have to be still in order to read and to yes. process. Because it's a very active, it's an, it's an active engagement with text. Correct, correct. Mm. Um, I do have something that I would like to read. I am reading Titi's Nervous Conditions. And um, is that so for the first time, or are you rereading it? This this is literally I, I am so embarrassed to say this, but this is my first time reading it. Oh, that's that's really interesting. How are you finding it so far? It is amazing. So oh. I have a book club, and uh, this is literally the first uh, book that I um, that we're going to kick off with. That's a great choice. Um, Many of us pretend we read it when we didn't, but the other thing is, if you've read it when you were young in high school, or mm -hmm, in my case, mm -hmm. it was a prescribed text for first year English at Rhodes University, you, you can appreciate uh, it, but when you come back to it years later, you just see different layers to it. Read us a couple of paragraphs. Yeah. Oh yes, I'm going to start. It's on page 61. Um, this is now where the girl moves to the uncle's place. And then she goes, according to Nahume, um, there were taps right inside the house, not only outside the kitchen, like at the headmaster's house at Rutibi school, but right inside the house where they ran hot water and cold into a tub lodge enough to sit in 
with your legs stretched straight out in front of you. And all you had to do to empty the tub was pull out the stopper and the water gurgled away into the earth through a network of pipes laid under the ground. Now, although Nauma, I don't actually know if I'm saying this correctly, forgive me. Now, although Nauma had not been above resorting to fantasy in order to impress, he did prefer facts when they were available. These details seemed factual enough. I could not wait to enjoy these comforts that Nauma had described to me in patient, important detail. I could not wait to enjoy these consequences of having acquired an education on Baba Makura's part, mm. of being in the process of acquiring one in my case. Mm. Nauma had had a refrain with which he had punctuated his enthusiastic and reverent descriptions of the luxury and comfort of Baba Makura's house. Not even the whites he had used to Carol in an impressionable descent to Kent. Um, Not even the whites themselves could afford it. I should have been prepared then for the splendor of the house or the mission, but I was not. Having not had the experience with which to improve my imagination, not even my brother's diligent descriptions were able to create for me a true image Mm. of my uncle's house. Wow. Wow. Stunning. Good luck with the book club. I'm very excited for you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. Thanks, Neo. Thanks for sharing that as well. Abel tells me we have to take a break. I don't feel like it, though. I want to talk to you the whole time. To do Zeli, let's ignore Abel. Thank you for calling in. Hi. Hi. Talk to me. Do you enjoy reading as well? I am fascinated with reading. You see, I started reading at the early age. I think it was about four, four years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you know, most of the time you start reading by, by, by reading a Bible. <laughs> that's how, that's how it started. <laughs> I was inspired from, from, from that early age I, until I started reading other literature. Why do you read? Yeah, you see, uh, we, most of the time with those people who, who wrote those articles, they don't know about them. Mm. But immediately when we start, uh, 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 reading uh, the, their articles, their works, mm. and mostly if we read them louder, mm. we become part, we share the space in which he was writing that article. Yeah. It, it, I become one with the author. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, 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 very quickly, I'll, I'll, I'd like to, to, to read a, a, a few uh, sentences, yes. Okay, read us one paragraph. Uh, what are you reading uh, yeah. from? Uh, I'm reading from uh, the, 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 the essay by John Newman, a cardinal, born 1801, died 1889. Okay. Uh, if then the power of speech is a gift as great as any that can be named, if the origin of language is by many philosophers even considered to be nothing short of divine, if by means of words, the secrets of the heart abroad into light. Healing grace is carried off. Pain of soul is relieved. Sympathy conveyed. Experience is recorded. Counsel imparted. Wisdom perpetrated. If by great authors many are drawn up into ink, a national character is fixed. A people speaks past and present and future.
Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Some of your tweets coming through. I just ask a simple question. You can see the beautiful tapestry of responses. Why do you read? And if you do want to read something, you can do so as well. An extended version of the Literature Corner because we can. And it's uh, all for the sake of instilling in the country, in ourselves, our children, everyone else, friends, a love of reading, a love of books. Tando says on Twitter, you see this, I read for peace, escape and travel. Depending on the author, I am fascinated by language as well as the use of words. Vuyelwa tweets, when I was a teenager and said that I was bored to my dad, he would reply, you can't be bored if you have not read every book in the house. Depending on what I'm reading, for me, Eusebius, says Vuyelwa, books provide an escape, relaxation, and of course, I learn a lot. And I'm glad you've emphasized relaxation. We've spoken about other things. It makes us better people, not always, but sometimes. There's an author in Cape Town, Stellis area, that were arrested for using the K-word. So clearly, one can read and still be morally horrible. Um, but it is it makes you more rather than less likely to be empathetic. And I, and I think the odds are in your favor if you do read about worlds that are different to your own. So that's one advantage. But then the other simple reason why many of us do read, which I think we, 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 we really shouldn't, we really shouldn't underestimate the beauty of this advantage of reading and this reason for reading, is that it can be very relaxing. Teacher Corner. 13 minutes before noon, and we're wrapping the literature corner. We're doing two things today, bits of reading here and there, but also just reflecting on the question, why do we read? And some fascinating answers so far. For some of us, reading is a functional purpose. You need to do it in order to extract data information so that you can improve your skill sets, do your job. For many of us, it is a form of escapism to worlds we can never afford to travel to. Some people have spoken about how they just enjoy laughing and um, the aesthetic joy that comes with being located inside the life created by the author. And for other people, there have been benefits that you've got from reading that you weren't necessarily seeking seems to have made some of you better human beings in terms of improving your ability to empathize with others. It's a really, really fascinating set of responses thus far. Honey, good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, be, I'm in the process of um, getting divorced, so I have two sons, and especially the 12-year-old has had some trouble sleeping in the last while, and I was just lying there one night and thought, what could I do to help this child sleep? And I flashed back to when I was younger and I had trouble sleeping and I remember reading was what made me peaceful and able to sleep. Mm. And my mind immediately sprang to The Hobbit by Tolkien and I went to get it and I started reading to him. And um, now it's uh, it's become a, a habit of ours. Every night I go lie with him in my arms and um, I read read loud to him from The Hobbit mm. and he enjoys it. And I am surprised by how much I enjoy sharing that book that I read so long ago with him. <laughs> and he's enjoying it. And when I want to finish, he says, no, mom, just a couple of more pages. Aww. And what I also enjoy is I, I'm a singer actually as well. So I, I love making music and with my voice, but how much I enjoy reading aloud and the way it sounds and the way I pronounce the words and the way I do some voices or this and that. And thinking like, how wonderful it would be to be someone who actually records all your books kind of thing. 
So um, that's for me at the moment. It's a mm. bonding experience with my child. Yeah. And as well, I've read some articles that say that's one of the best things you can do for your child. Absolutely. And um, doing this thing and reading this Absolutely. It's a lifelong gift. Thank you so much for that gift to your child and sharing that with us. Hello, Shari. Hi, CBS. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I just finished reading Pamela Nombete's autobiography, Dancing to the Beat of the Drum. Oh, wow. Is it? Tell us about it. Oh, my god. I haven't goodness. yet read it. <laughs> she had the most colorful time here in South Africa. Hmm. Um, so how I know her personally is because I actually recently started taking acting classes while she was here in South Africa. And um, she used to take me for acting classes and I actually ended up buying her book. And I only managed to read it really recently, even though I had it on my shelf for at least about six months. Mm. Yeah, she had a very colorful history, especially during the time of when she was um, on Generations. Yes. <laughs> um, so if you wouldn't mind, I would love to share just like an extract of her book. I think it's I would love to hear an extract uh, because we don't know authors and actors and actresses beyond the characters that often make them famous and they've com- there's yeah. complexity 20 years later they resurface someone takes a picture of them or they're another part of the world and then we are all shocked to understand that actually even someone who portrays a famous character has got a 360 degree life story to them that you probably don't know because they are not a character yes read for us It's actually very, very sad in some places, but Mm. I'm going to read you something quite funny. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So it starts as follows. It's on page 29, and it says, I was very drunk and feeling extremely reckless, having consumed a fair amount of champagne. Forbidden lover at some point in the evening whispered in my ear that he and his girlfriend had split up and that she had moved out. He then suggested that I follow him home. All I can say is that my libido took over. It was all so dangerous, so out of control. I was falling further and further down a very dark and slippery slope. We sped along the motorway to his house. I could barely focus. I was so drunk, I didn't see the police van that seemed to come out of nowhere. The whole front of my Mercedes was damaged badly, and my car had to be towed away. To be honest, I don't know why I hadn't landed in jail. Maybe forbidden lover greased the palm of the police officers. I don't know. My life had come to a crashing halt. But instead of stopping and taking heed of this humongous warning, I shoved it aside, climbed into forbidden lover's car, and landed in his bed for the night. In the morning, I woke up to this woman staring down at me and telling me to get out of her bed. (laughs) (laughs) Forbidden lover and I froze. The woman in question, his so-called ex-living lover, was clearly back. I was stuck under the covers, watching this weird, vicious shouting match happening over my head. I couldn't move. I was completely naked under those sheets. He finally steered her out of the room, and I ran into the bathroom to put my clothes. To put on my clothes, I remember sliding to the floor in complete shame. I felt like a whore. I was a whore in many ways than one. I had created a very, very bad cause for my life. I was feeding a beast in my psyche I had never met before. And all it it wanted was fame and money. Wow. And notwithstanding what I was saying, I was hearing that in a mashup between your own voice and not her voice voice, but Nsiki's voice. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's also like <laughs> I actually the, the, the entire time I was reading the book, I actually read it in her voice. I can, yeah, I can imagine. It's hilarious. The other thing that yeah. comes into my head, it's, it feels like the lyrics for a female version of Clarence Carter's "I Got Caught Making Love to Another Man's Wife." <laughs> Shani, thanks so much for calling in. Dennis, good morning. Hello, hi. Yosevius, um, yeah, it's Dennis here from Benoni. Um, I find, uh, I must confess, these days I read mostly fiction books. Yes. Um, I find it's a form of escape, escapism, which takes me out of my circumstances. And um, the strange thing is that I've noticed that no matter what you read, no matter how cheap or nasty a book might be, you always learn something that you never knew, mm. no matter what book it was. Um, something that I read oh, when I was still back at school, which has stuck with me all these years, was something called Desiderata. Mm. And I'd like to read a few lines from that. Go for it, Dennis. Go right ahead. Go passively amidst the noise and the haste. And remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Allowed loud, avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are a vexation to the spirit. And if you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter. Mm. For always you'll be greater or lesser persons than yourself. Thank you, Dennis. Beautiful. Love that. Love this tweet as well. Abel's going to make you chuckle. Sebo says, we need a three-hour show in Books UCBS. The lines are so busy. We haven't even heard the voice notes yet. Morning, UCBS. Uh, Bonalo here. Um, my main reason for actually um, loving to read now, I've recently only started loving to read, like in the past couple of years, is because... I feel smart. Like <laughs> that—that's my main reason. I feel smart after reading and finishing a book. And this is coming from a person who's never had that culture of reading instilled in them from growing up. And from basically starting to read, I feel smarter. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it. Love it. Well, I mean, let's get back to basics. Books are a source of knowledge, insight. You you damn well should enjoy feeling smarter after you've read because you are smarter. You've expanded your world and uh, give yourself a pat on the back and enjoy the fact that you're also increasing your knowledge. So I totally get what you say and it makes complete sense to me. Mahukwani, good morning. Morning, Sir Bias. Yes, sir. Um, I'm currently reading uh, The Zulus of New York by Zach Hmm. Um, but uh, what I wanted to talk about is how books make you go to primary sources. Um, I've always read uh, Zayx and Fred Kumalo, but I've never knew that their genre of writing is called historical fiction. Yes. And I've realized that through reading and uh, through engaging with Zayx, you get to learn more. So that's how books have really empowered me. Mm. Uh, to make me look for other sources mm. from the that I'm currently reading. That's right, and it's a very difficult genre to get right because the history must be solid, even though you have creative license. And besides, the very good primary and secondary sources that the author needed to have dug into 
when he or she did the research basis for the novel, it must still work as a novel as well. Out of interest, are you enjoying your experience thus far? Yeah, well, I love that. We have only books like that, which are just enjoying as Rachel's blue. Mm. Our black is audience there. Uh, mm. But most of it's uh, historical um, fiction, which I've recently learned, yes. has spoken to me and really taught me a lot. Stunning. I love that. Absolutely love that. Fiction as a way into history through historical fiction. A great example. The book that is clutching at the moment, not quite literally, but the one busy reading, Zulus of New York by Zaik Sundan. That's exactly uh, what is so excellent about that book. The same as the last novel, of course, from Fred Kumalo, uh, historical fiction. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's also why this distinction between fiction and nonfiction is one that I get in terms of its purpose in the academy and elsewhere. But it's not a great distinction. I think very good fiction writers have regard for historical and social realities. And excellent nonfiction writers, of course, the best of the lot, are also capable of constructing really, really fantastic and compelling narrative.